You're listening to the sermon audio from Redemption Church. Redemption Church exists to exalt Christ, edify the saints, and evangelize the world for the glory of God. For more information on Redemption Church, just go to redemption.church. Inhabitants of the mortar. We're not sure exactly where this place is, but probably refers to some sort of quarry or mine to the south. Of Jerusalem. So you can see how Zephaniah in the passage is, is kind of saying, all of Jerusalem, get ready, right? Suffering's coming. Punishment from the Lord is coming on this day of the Lord. And so the Lord we see is searching Jerusalem with lamps in verse 12. All will be exposed on that day of the Lord. That's a frightening thought for a lot of us, for a lot, as we think about everything's going to be revealed. The Lord will be searching out those he will punish. All will come to light. All will be revealed. And the Lord will search Jerusalem with lamps. He will punish the men, look at verse 12, who are complacent, complacent. Now that's a, that's an interesting phrase because when we typically think about outright rebellion against God, we think of kind of those vicious, violent, carnal sins that are more easily recognized. But we see that God is, God is coming to deal with the apathetic, those who just don't care, those who live their lives like practical atheists. I think that's a temptation a lot of Christians are succumbing to. All right, we come to church on Sunday. We say, I believe in Jesus. I worship him. Praise the Lord. And then we go live our lives the next six days like functional atheists as if God has nothing to do with my life, nothing to do with my work, nothing to do with my marriage. I'm going to live my life however it is I want to live my life. And then we come back on Sunday and pretend to be theists again, right? That we believe in God. And that's just certainly is a very dangerous position to be in. And we see that the Lord is coming to punish those who are complacent, those who are going through the motions, those who are failing to seek the Lord, who are enjoying the comfortableness of their lives. And we see in verse 13 that their goods will be plundered, their houses laid waste, that they build houses, they won't inhabit them, they'll plant vineyards, they won't drink wine from them. And so we see that their, their bad theology really stems in verse 12. They say in their hearts they're complacent, but they live like functional atheists. The Lord will not do good, nor will he do ill. In other words, God doesn't care how I live my life. They're kind of living their life like deists almost. You remember deism is the idea that God created the world and he just kind of stepped back and doesn't care anymore. And so a lot of people kind of live their lives like that. A lot of Christians live their lives like that. I would say professed Christians live their lives like that. And it's a very dangerous thing because we see punishment is coming for them. Half-hearted obedience is disobedience. And so we see that these complacent people are really not seeking the Lord. They're really not pursuing God. They're really not seeking the Lord with piety like we'll see in chapter 2 in a humble way. Rather, they're just kind of enjoying life. They really just don't care much about God in any sense of the term. And so that's a caution for each and every one of us, that we must be on guard against complacency and worldliness. It's easy, particularly because we live in the West and and we're so affluent here. Even the poorest among us live far more comfortably than the rest of the world. We have so much free time on our hands, so much things to enjoy, so many shows to watch, so many restaurants to eat at, right? And it's easy to get into this complacent mindset of just kind of coasting through life, just kind of enjoying all all that we have and not wholeheartedly with every fiber of our being seeking the Lord. Zephaniah provides a warning to those of us who would drift 
to complacency in our Christian walk with Christ. We must pursue him vigilantly, intensely seek the Lord. And then in verse 14 through 16, we see that punishment is near. Punishment is near. And and Zephaniah describes what this day is like in, in a series of images that just communicate how devastating this day of the Lord will be. Sure, as we sing in the days of Elijah, we'll lift our voice. It's the year of Jubilee, of course. But for many, that day will be a day of incredible sorrow, of pain, of wrath being poured out actively on them. And so look at the way uh, Zephaniah describes this great day of the Lord. He says the the day of the Lord is near. It's near and, and hasting fast. We'll talk about that in just a second. But he says the sound of the day is bitter, that it's a day of wrath, of distress, of anguish, of devastation and ruin, of darkness, gloom, a day of clouds, thick darkness, a day of trumpet blast and battle cry. So this is language and imagery that's communicating a lot of what we read in Revelation 16, that this will be a, a devastating day as God's wrath is actively being poured out as an act of war against those who are rebelling against God. And we see that this day is coming soon. The day of the Lord is near. It's hastening fast, he says in verse 14. And so this is an idea that, that again, is carried on in the New Testament, that, that as the kingdom is announced in Christ, so is the, the eschaton, the day of the Lord, kind of arriving already. It's very soon. It's at hand. I mean, this is Jesus' words, right? From that time, Jesus began to preach. This is Matthew 4, 17. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's near. The end is coming. The end has begun in Jesus' arrival 2,000 years ago. And so we're living in the end time, so to speak. And by that, I don't mean Jesus is coming back tomorrow necessarily, like many use the terms, but but in this church age, we're living in in the final age of human history. We're living in, in the time between the times, the time in which Jesus has established his kingdom and a time in which the kingdom of God will be consummated. And on that day of consummation will be a day of wrath as well as deliverance. Wrath will be poured out upon God's enemies, even as God gathers for himself his church and establishes the new Jerusalem, as we talked about tonight already. So we see that this is a this idea of the kingdom of heaven being near or close at hand, this is something we have to, to remember. I think there's a parable Jesus told that just, again, is so important for us in remembering how, how soon this day could come. It could come at, at any moment, right? So this is Jesus' words from Matthew 25. It's a parable that you know, the parable of the ten virgins. The kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. 
that as Jesus communicated, there's, there's an urgency to human life. We tend to live like we're never going to die, that the, etern- that the, the final day of the Lord will never come, but we have to be constantly ready because we never know when Christ is coming back. And we must be ready. We don't want to be like the foolish virgins who don't come prepared and ready, but we want to be like the wise virgins who are ready for the bridegroom whenever he comes. And so again, I think as we look at Zephaniah, this this urgency of the great day of the Lord being near means that we must make sure our own hearts and souls are ready for that day. And we'll talk about how to be ready for that day as we look at the beginning of chapter two. But before we look at chapter two, let's look at verse 17 to 18, because here we see the the punishment, the display of God's wrath is expanded not just from God's people in Jerusalem, but it's expanded to all of mankind. Look at what it says in verse 17. I will bring distress on mankind, all of all humanity. And, And why is God doing that? Look at verse 17. Because they have sinned against the Lord. That God is bringing punishment upon human beings for their sinfulness. And again, we see that theme of decreation kind of creep back up in the book of Zephaniah. If you remember, in the first part of chapter 1, we saw that as God's wrath is coming, it's almost like God is reversing his created order. And we see that similar idea in verse 17 as, as the mankind, their blood will be poured out like dust. So we see that man is almost being uh, decreated in a sense. I mean, God is wiping humankind away, those who are opposed against him. And so we see that these people cannot be saved by their wealth from the judgment of God. Look at verse 18. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them on the day of the wrath of the Lord. You can't write Jesus a bail check on the day of the Lord, right? Money's no good. It's not going to do you anything. Wrath is coming. No matter how much you've accumulated in your life, no matter how much you want to try to bargain or negotiate with Jesus on that day, you can't. Judgment is coming. Justice will be given. God's wrath will be displayed. And the reason God's wrath will be displayed, we see at the end of verse 18, that in the fire of his jealousy, all the earth shall be consumed. I was recently meeting with a a newer Christian who was wrestling with this idea of God being jealous. Because after all, jealousy is always a negative characteristic for human beings. So why would it be a good characteristic for for God? And the reason for that is is really quite simple. It's that he's God and we're not. (laughs) That he deserves glory. He deserves praise. He is what the whole world's about. The reason the world exists is for the glory of God. And so for God to be good, for God to be God, he must value that which is the highest good, which is himself. So jealousy is not a a negative character trait on God. It's actually a very good and and wonderful character trait. Indeed, he wouldn't be God if he was not jealous for his own glory and for his own name. And so we see this is the motivation for which God is displaying his wrath is the vindication of his own name. And that leads to the call for repentance in chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. Let's look at this together. Gather together, yes, gather, O shameless nation, before the decree takes effect, before the day passes away like chaff, before there comes upon you the burning anger of the Lord, before there comes upon you the day of the anger of the Lord. Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land who do his just commands. Seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps 
you may be hidden on the day of the anger of the Lord. So again, we see this urgency that, that Zephaniah is bringing to the people saying, the day of the Lord hasn't arrived yet. It's close, it's near. So gather together, shameless nation, before the day of the Lord comes and humble yourselves and seek the Lord. That's the call, that's the invitation, that's the response. God's wrath is coming. It's certain, it's fixed. So therefore, Zephaniah says, seek the Lord, humble yourselves and be obedient to the commands of God. And Zephaniah says, perhaps, again, all of this is by God's mercy and grace, right? You can't all of a sudden say, all right, I'm going to be good and, and, and ensure that I'm going to be spared from God's wrath. And that's, that's not what, what Zephaniah says. We don't force God's hand by, by humility, but rather we see that perhaps by God's sovereignty, by his grace and mercy, he says, you may be hidden on the day of the anger of the Lord. We see this, this emphasis, this call of repentance that is at the core of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, when Jesus preached the kingdom, he said, repent for the kingdom is at hand. And this is the same call we see in Zephaniah too, the call for repentance, the call for humility, the call for seeking the Lord. And so the Christian call to evangelism in many ways is trying to communicate the urgency of the wrath that is coming and sharing the good news of how we can be saved from God's wrath through the Son, Jesus Christ. We see this in the gospel presentations in the book of Acts. Acts 17, for example. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. So you see those the same elements we see in Zephaniah, the call to repentance, the call of the wrath, the judgment that is to come. But of course, as Christians, we have fuller revelation than, than what we get strictly from Zephaniah. And we see, I think Zephaniah even alludes and hints at how we will all be spared by the wrath from the wrath of God. And look at what he says. It's, it's subtle, but it's a, a clue that I think helps us understand how it is we are delivered from God's wrath. He says, verse 3, Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land who do his just commands. Seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you may be hidden on the day of the anger of the Lord. And of course, the only way that any of us can be spared from God's wrath is by God hiding us within the righteousness of Christ, within God hiding us him, himself. This is what Colossians says, right? For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. The good news that we see pointed to and alluded to in Zephaniah, of course, we see fulfilled in Christ himself, is that God will hide those who take refuge in his son. And that if we come to Christ in faith, if we humble, of ourse humble ourselves, if we repent, if we put our faith and trust in Christ as our Savior and Lord, we will be hidden from that day of judgment. And God has promised us that he will do this. He has made a way to be delivered from this great display of wrath we see on this day of the Lord. And of course, for those of us who know Christ, this is of such comfort to us. As we think about the horrors of that day, how good it is to know that we will be spared from those horrors because we are hidden in Christ Jesus. And so this should spur us to greater evangelism. I know 
As we talk about evangelism and as we talk about evangelistic methods nowadays, nobody really starts with God's wrath anymore. We always talk about how God's got a wonderful plan for your life, right? And of course he, he does, but we, I think part of the urgency of our evangelism, I think the reason so many of us really aren't all that concerned about sharing the gospel with others is because we really haven't done enough thinking on what this day of the Lord will be like. And those people whom we love, those people in our neighbors, those people who are our coworkers, that they will receive the vivid and vicious condemnation of God. Their blood will be poured out like dust. Their flesh will be like dung if they don't know Christ and if they're not hidden in Christ. And so this should call us to a sense of urgency. The day of the Lord is coming. The kingdom of God is at hand. Let's preach the gospel with boldness, with urgency, with conviction, praying that the Lord will save as many as he wills, hiding them in Christ for his glory. So with that, let me close us in a word of prayer. <laughs> Father, we thank you for Zephaniah. We thank you for this book that, Lord, so many of us are unfamiliar with, including myself. But Father, already we have been encouraged by its message. And Lord, we believe this is a good word. Even though this is a message of judgment, of condemnation, of, of your wrath that will be poured out upon humanity at that great day of the Lord, Father, we know it's a good word because, Lord, in your wrath, we see your wondrous characteristic and attributes that are worthy of praise. And so, Father, we pray, Lord, that we would be on guard against uh, syncret syncretism in our own hearts. We pray that you would protect us from complacency in our own Christian walk. Father, we pray that you would help us to preach the good news of Christ with boldness and with urgency, Lord, because the day of the Lord is near. It's at hand. It's hastening. And Father, that day will be a day of incredible wrath and judgment poured out upon mankind. But Lord, we are so grateful that you have provided a refuge in Christ Jesus. And Lord, that if we come to you in faith, if we turn from our sins, humble ourselves, if we trust in Christ, our lives will be hidden in Christ and spared from the judgment and wrath that is to come. So Father, we praise you for Christ. We praise you for making a way of deliverance all by your grace. Lord, you're not obligated to do that in any way, but Lord, you have chosen to make yourself glorious through the saving of your church. And so Father, we pray that these realities of the coming judgment of this day of the Lord, the realities of the gospel, the realities that Christ is the only way we can be hidden from this judgment. Father, I pray that that would spur each and every one of us to greater evangelistic obedience, that we would preach the gospel and share it boldly, more regularly, more consistently, more urgently, Lord, to those around us in our lives. So, Father, we thank you for this good word. And, Father, we pray that you would help us to respond in obedience to it. And it's in Jesus' name.